Welcome back to Your Province, Your Premier. I'm Wayne Nelson, your host and moderator, and today is the inaugural show with new Premier Danielle Smith. This is your opportunity to speak with the new Premier directly, to ask questions, voice your concerns, whatever's on your mind. You can speak with the Premier one-on-one. -on -one. Just remember, keep it short and respectful. I also want to let you know that after today, the show is going to go on hiatus until after the results are announced for the November 8th by-election in Brooks Medicine Hat, where Premier Smith is hoping to win a legislative seat. She'll be running against former Medicine Hat Mayor and current Alberta Party Representative Barry Morishita and Gwendolyn Dirk from the NDP. All right, Premier Danielle Smith is ready and waiting to take your calls the number again, 403-974-8255 in Calgary, 780-496-0063 in Edmonton, or across the province at 1-800-563-7770. All right, Premier Smith, welcome to the show. Oh, hey, Wayne. It's so nice to talk to you again. It I, has... was joking, I was joking with my staff that the, the last time I was on the air, I sang a song, and I was going to start by singing a song to you today. Oh, no, don't do that. Okay, no. that's, that's what they said. So. <laughs> well, listen, congratulations on your leadership victory. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'd say your first few days in office have been a little bit like jumping from the frying pan into the fire, a rockier start, I'd venture, than you planned. And there's four points I want to quickly address before we get to the phones and texts. And I know you've, you've responded to some of these. I just wanted to recap. Now, you were critical of Premier Prentice when he chose to run in Calgary Foothills instead of Calgary Elbow back in 2014. On Rob Breckenridge's show yesterday, Rob played a clip of your comments that the NDP dug up in which you suggested that it was telling that it suggested to you that Prentice didn't think he could win that seat. Now you're doing the same thing, not choosing Calgary Elbow, which has been vacant since August, while opting for recently vacated Brooks Medicine Hat, where once again you'll be running against the NDP and Alberta Party. Now your critics say that smacks of hypocrisy. It's inconsistent. Your response? Well, if people had seen my, my record, they know that I, I grew up in Calgary, but I, I made a decision to move to rural Alberta because I wanted to represent a diverse riding. That was back in 2012. And, you know, those same, those same uh, motivations apply today. I think that rural Alberta feels a little neglected, especially the medicine hat. They call themselves the forgotten corner. They are not forgotten in my mind. And I like a diverse riding because then you are able to, through your constituency office, hear of all the issues going on in Alberta because you have a large center like Medicine Hat, smaller town like, um, like Brooks, um, robust uh, agriculture community, so you get to hear from ranchers as well as farmers. There's agri-food processing there. We've got the Army base there, so I'll be able to keep in touch with defense issues. In addition to um, highway issues, there, there are always really acute highway and transportation issues in rural Alberta. And so I, I think that the diversity of the riding is what attracted to me. It's why I moved out to, to sure. um, the, the riding of Livingston McLeod in the first place, and they're, they're parallel. So, um, you know, people will have to judge my decision on that basis. Yeah. But, but, why, well, but like why, not call the, uh, why not call the by-election in Calgary Elbow at the same time? As Prentice did uh, when he uh, was running back in 2014, it was all four by-elections at that time. Sure. I mean, because we're we're so close to a general election. Recall when 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 uh, Premier Prentice won, he was still what 
most people thought a year and a half out from an election. So they think they, they believe that they would be holding a by-election because there would be a long-term vacancy. Okay. We know that this vacancy is going to be filled in May of um, end of May. Uh, the Premier has set a fixed election date, and I have committed to saying we are not going to go early, we're not going to go later, we're going to honour that fixed election date. And so since people know that their representative will be in, the, in place there within about seven or eight months, it, it seemed to me there's no point in having the cost of two by-elections. There's convention that the Premier is supposed to seek a seat as soon as possible, and so that's the reason why I've only called one. All right, point number two, the Sovereignty Act. Boy, this was your biggest campaign plank, but were there ever any details of the proposed act, a draft of what it would look like? Because comments from your top advisor now suggest a proposal would respect Supreme Court decisions, and that's a, a reversal of what Albertans heard from you during the leadership campaign. So what, what's the reality here? I regret that the media didn't cover my Sovereignty Act proposals very well. I did multiple videos. I did multiple emails. I did multiple press releases, multiple availabilities on it. And I always made it very clear because people would ask me about the carbon tax. And I'd say, well, you know, the Supreme Court has already rendered a decision on the carbon tax. So we'd have to find another way to offset those costs or perhaps rechallenge it. I've also said that uh, the Sovereignty Act was meant to turn the table on the federal government because the federal government passes unconstitutional laws all the time that invade our jurisdiction. And then they make us go to court to fight it out. My line was, we need to turn the tables on them, put a shield in place so that they cannot pass legislation in our jurisdiction, and then they can take us to court. So I, I always have relied on the court in my answers. So I'm surprised people are a bit uh, okay. uh, taken aback by that. The Supreme Court is um, the ultimate law of the land. We, we often will see at lower levels of court that they make decisions that need to be challenged. We're certainly uh, going through a bunch of litigation right now, but the, the, there are ways that provincial legislatures have to respond when the Supreme Court has rendered its decision. And if they, if we can find alternative ways of being able to modify the law to, so that it's compliant, or find an alternative way to get the uh, the issue that we, that we are concerned about addressed, that's that's what we would do. But right. absolutely, I, I respect the Supreme Court. All right. Point number three. Now you've attempted some early damage control about a comment you made your first day in office that unvaccinated people have faced more discrimination than any other group you've seen in your lifetime. Now you later issued a statement saying you didn't mean to trivialize other forms of discrimination, but there was no real apology. Why not? I probably should have said government discrimination. I mean, when you look at what the government did to its workers, firing um, RCMP officers, firing police officers, firing AHS staff, not allowing them to come back to work. I mean, the, the politicians had to order Alberta Health Services to rescind its vaccination policy. I, I mean, I, that's what I meant. I'd never seen government treat its own frontline workers in such a poor way. And we've got to do a lot of repair work on that. I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm opposed to all discrimination. All right. The, all full stop. There's a number of enumerated areas in our Human Rights Act, um, and I oppose discrimination on all of those grounds. This is just one in particular that because we've seen government discrimination against its own workers, we've, we've got to make sure that we do a reversal. And that's why I campaigned on saying we need to make sure in the Human Rights Code that uh, that there is a, a protection for the, for those who've, who want vaccine choice in this matter. Okay. Last point before we head to the phones. A new Leger poll shows the NDP has a slight edge over the UCP, 44% to 42%, and that your own rating is less than the party's. Now, the poll also shows that nearly 25% in every category asked neither agreed nor disagreed with a question. So there's room for improvement, and you've got seven months to go. So are you going to use the poll results to indicate where you need to focus your efforts, or will they have no impact on your plans? 
We have to remember that the UCP has been polling behind the NDP for two and a half years. So there was a ton of work to do. And we all knew that as leadership candidates, that it wasn't going to be easy. I started my campaign knowing that our biggest areas of losses is we'd lost confidence in rural Alberta. So I spent a lot of time in rural Alberta addressing the issues that I knew were were extraordinarily important to them. I, I, I campaigned really on a small number of issues. Uh, I wanted to make sure that they knew we were going to fight back against Ottawa. That was a huge issue in rural Alberta. The issue of, of vaccine choice and respecting that, another huge issue in rural Alberta. And uh, fixing Alberta Health Services, and in particular rural EMS. And I felt like if we didn't give rural Alberta confidence that we heard them and that we were going to change direction, that that would make it really difficult in the next election. Now that I, I feel like um, as I make some of these changes in the fall, I think that we'll have won that, that support back. And I'm, I'm grateful for that because we, we, we do have a, so many a strong rural ridings that, are, that have been historical backers of the, of the Conservatives. Now, that being said, we, uh, we have to make sure that we represent all Alberta. So there are, are a number of seats in Edmonton that I am delighted to see that we've got strong candidates emerging there. In Calgary as well, we have a, a strong number of seats here. We just have to do a little bit more work to win that confidence back that we, that we lost over the last couple of years. I think there's, there's two things that I, that I would say that, that I hear about a lot when I'm in uh, Calgary and Edmonton. And a lot of it comes from uh, suburban moms and dads who are really worried about the impact on their kids of the last two and a half years of, uh, of constant disruption in their kids' education and activities. And so there's, there's two things that I want to do there. One is to make sure that we can test all kids across the board to make sure that they're reading, writing, and doing math at grade level. And let's bring in the education assistants and the tutors to make sure that the kids come up to grade level in learning. We've got to do that immediately. And then the other issue is, um, is addressing the mental health of our kids. We we do have a program that allows for kids to access mental health supports, but it's so over demand now. There's a eight to 12 week wakes. So this is, was the idea behind my health spending account is that if we could just deposit a little bit of money in the account of parents, $300 per child, uh, per family member. So 1200 for a family of four. And if they've got a, a child who's in particular need, that would allow them to get the counseling and therapy and psychology services. And that's going to be really important. We're on the cusp. I, I think if we don't address this of a generation, mental health crisis and so those are going to be my, my my priorities and you'll hear me talking about that a lot more okay now let's get right to the phones we have time for one quick call before we go to a break and we're going to go with uh, lorna in edmonton so lorna go ahead you're on with premier danielle smith thank you for taking my call premier um i have a uh, suggestion for affordable housing that people are saying they're having trouble with right now i've always wondered why they haven't um allowed some areas for mobile homes to be purchased not in a rental situation but if people could use a a modular home have the lot and it's their home and they can do with it what they want that would be far more affordable than having to have the um the high-priced houses in the city all over and that and that would also have the benefit for seniors because what i see happening is a lot of a lot of um uh, seniors are um, unable to do the stairs that are being built in these fill infills, and they need more of a, a, an, a plain level. Um, so I think that that would be a, a help for a lot of people, and we could have modular homes built in our in our province um, if we got that manufacturing hap- happening here as well. Okay. I think 
I think Lorna has a great idea there. I, I noticed that too. There was um, uh, a manufactured home park that was closed in Calgary a number of years ago, and I always felt really saddened for the the folks there that there wasn't a place for them to be able to move their home to a, another another place. The we, we've already seen as well in in Calgary that they've created uh, the kind of of community that Lorna's talking about for our veterans, where you can have these sort of smaller micro homes that and also wraparound supports in case um, for veterans in case they need additional supports. So we need to be able to have more affordable options, as Lauren is talking about, especially for our seniors, for our vulnerable populations, for our veterans. And I think we've got a couple of good models to to go for, but um, I'm I'm all ears. This is going to be a huge area for us to be focused on, because if you you look at what's happened at the federal level with the NDP Liberal Coalition creating this massive affordability crisis, huge inflation, it's the, the places it's hitting the hardest is on food, it's on energy, and it's uh, it's on the affordability of housing. And right. we have we're a gonna, lot we can do here to address it. Yep. We're going to have to pause for a break right now. I'm Wayne Nelson, and I'll be back with Premier Danielle Smith and more of your calls. And we'll take some texts when we return on Your Province, Your Premier. Welcome back. After today's show, Your Province, Your Premier will take a break until after the results for the November 8th by-election in Brooks Medicine Hat, where Premier Smith is running against the Alberta parties Barry Morishita and Gwendolyn Dirk from the NDP. I'm Wayne Nelson, but today, this is your opportunity to ask questions or address issues you feel are important to speak with the Premier directly. And let's go right to the phones, and we're going to hit uh, Justin in Edmonton. Get the right button pushed. Justin, you're on with Premier Smith. Go ahead. Good morning, Premier Smith, and welcome back to the Daniel Smith Show. (laughs) Thanks, Justin. Uh, my question is, as a fellow visible minority conservative, will you apologize for comparing uh, COVID restrictions at, uh, over which at times that I disagreed with to forms of discrimination that I cannot control based on things like my race and national origin? And second of all, do you not understand that relitigating the past is a divided, uh, in, instead of setting out a vision for the future, is dividing instead of unifying our parties? Yeah, Justin, as I said, I'm I'm against all discrimination. And there are uh, factors in our enumeration of protected areas that include things like religion and creed, um, as well as the things that you had mentioned. And there's uh, absolutely, we have to make sure that there is no discrimination on any of those grounds. I I oppose all discrimination. I I think I mentioned to Wayne at the beginning of the show, I was disheartened to see the government discrimination against its own employees. That's something I've never never witnessed before with um, employees of all backgrounds backgrounds, all of those enumerated areas, getting fired on the basis of vaccination status, whether it was in police services or Alberta Health Services. We've got to make sure that we correct that so that we uh, send a message that that, that we're not going to allow discrimination on any grounds. All right. Uh, Premier Smith, we just had a a text call coming in. It says, I'm hoping you announce a balanced cabinet between former PC and Wild Rose members. I hope one day we can get away from having the these uh, sort of factions d- described. You know, you have to remember my history. I began in progressive conservative politics in 1992-93 as the president of the Uni- uh, University of Calgary Campus Club. And at the, uh, the same time, Sonia, Sonia Savage was the PCYA president. Uh, my first campaign I worked on was Rick Orman's. Um, I supported Ralph Klein. So I had a very long history in progressive conservative politics 
politics. But then I think that the progressive conservative party took a wrong turn for a couple of, of successive premiers when it, um, it I think, uh, got away from its roots and uh, started spending too much, took us away from savings, took us away from balanced budgets and all the things that we valued, we started racking up debt again. And so that's, I think, part of what happens in our party is when we're not living up truly to the conservative values that people want, then uh, rural Alberta in particular splits off and form a new, forms a new party. So I, I think that the bigger issue that we have is that we've got to make sure that we stay true to our principles and make sure that we, we, we look at this divide that we see between rural and urban Alberta and find the, the ways in which we can find common ground. And I hope that we can we can we never have to talk about those old party labels again because I think that that just it gets people entrenched in camps. And I'm, I have great friendships on people from from both from both the Wild Rose tradition as well as the progressive conservative tradition and new MLAs who never were, were part of either party tradition. So that's what that's what I'm hoping is that we're, we truly will live up to the name United Conservative Party. All right, Jay is texting in from Edmonton, and this is going back to the affordable housing uh, question that you addressed earlier. He he says $50,000 U.S. fully furnished tiny home that's shipped in a size no bigger than a shipping container but unboxes bigger. I love the sound of what he's talking about. The, the issue I've seen is that it seems like it's hard to get those areas zoned. I, I remember when I was, was fighting on behalf of micro-communities, because I'm a big fan of HGTV, and they, I was watching their, their tiny home developments, and it seems like trying to get the approvals and the zoning for those kinds of communities has been, has been very difficult. But I, I take his point exactly. If we want to be able to make truly affordable housing, we have to look at all of the options. So I'm, I'm looking forward to raising that with my caucus, but also, of course, raising it with uh, Amarjeet Sohi in Edmonton, as well as uh, Mayor, Mayor Jody Gondek in Calgary, because I think we can find some really uh, constructive ways of addressing that crisis. It's, it's going to become more acute if we don't get ahead of it, and I think that that's a perfect solution. I'd, I'd love to look at more into it. All right. Back to the phones. Derek is calling in from Calgary on a cryptocurrency question. Yeah. Go ahead, Derek. You're on with Premier Smith. Hi, Premier. Thanks for taking my call here. Uh, oh, my, of, my pleasure. You're going to talk about one of my favorite topics. Well, and I, and I know it is one of your favorite topics just from uh, listening to you over the years. Uh, and as, as I'm sure that you're aware, as Alberta has developed uh, into, honestly, one of the leaders of cryptocurrency uh, development, uh, especially on the technical mining side uh, throughout North America, one of the biggest things that has happened is that uh, larger international companies have come in uh, and started to force out uh, small small time operators uh, in getting larger contracts, getting the opportunities that uh, really really would be able to benefit uh, local small business growth. I know that Alberta has done an amazing job over the last uh, couple of years supporting new small businesses, supporting new tech startups. Is there any plans from your government to do the same for tech startups? that are closer to the cryptocurrency sphere. Total, totally agree, Derek. Um, one of the, I should just give a shout out to Kalea Carrington, who's the head of the Canadian Blockchain Consortium, and she's had me out to moderate a couple of her events in the past. I'm looking forward to continuing to work with her on that. The issue of, of Bitcoin mining has been one that she has, has been putting on my radar screen for over the last year. And one of the issues that we have is um, it's, a, it's affordable electricity, because it, it takes a lot of electricity to engage in that space. And also the issue of uh, 
uh, of uh, carbon dioxide emissions. And so if we can create an environment where we can create a, a go zone for, for, for those operations, I know it seems like um, there is a lot of opposition in municipalities, whatever these operations begin. And maybe that's why the larger companies have had an easier time of being able to negotiate access and negotiate zoning. But I, I think if we can create some go zones where perhaps these types of high-tech operations are able to act as an anchor tenant, and then we can start building out technical space, tech space around that. I think that that's going to be our solution, and especially since we have, uh, we're a natural gas basin where we can produce natural gas power. We have the ability to do carbon capture and create vertical farms so that we can capture the CO2 and put it to some useful purpose. If we can start developing those kind of business park communities, I think that'll create an open access for both large and small, as well as create a, a brand new way for us to diversify the economy. So I've been talking a little bit about that on the campaign trail, and I'm looking forward to talking to, to various municipal leaders to see if they want to partner with us on that. All right. Debbie is calling in from Parkland, and Debbie is calling about uh, giving a voice to rural Albertans. Go ahead, Debbie. You're on with Premier Danielle Smith. Hi. Good morning, and thank you for taking my call. Uh, I wanted to start out with Danielle, uh, Premier Smith, just saying, you know, a big congratulations to yourself. Um, I, I just wanted to let you know that, you know, we are very excited to have a voice from the rural communities, and I think your... Um, your experience with the urban and rural is just exactly what we need to move the, the economy forward. And also is that um, I just wanted just to, you to hear that many of us who have kind of supported and, and, and was encouraged and excited for your win this last week is that not for a nanosecond think that you're not empathic to any other groups, um, um, any prejudice or anything like that. So, so keep up, keep going. I'm excited where Albert is going to go. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I, I think I think comments stand for itself, and that's really how I, I feel. I think because I've had the history of understanding Calgary issues, living in rural Alberta, and then when I was on the air, um, had a great pleasure of being able to broadcast into the Edmonton area market as well. I, I really feel like I understand that we, we do have slightly different priorities in our three major regions, sort of the Edmonton metro area, the Calgary area, and rural Alberta. Our north as well has, has some significant significant issues but I think because I've been out there in the in the public realm for a long time I've got a really good understanding of this province and I appreciate that that uh, that you recognize that so thank you you are listening to your province your premier with new premier Danielle Smith the phone lines are open we've got uh, quite a few to get to the text lines are also available in Calgary the number is 403-974-8255 in Edmonton, 780-496-0063. Across the province, 1-800-563-7770. All right, I'd like to uh, take a call from, uh, take a text rather, from uh, Chad Edmonton. Premier Smith, current drug approval laws in Alberta don't work. The province takes up to 22 months to approve after Health Canada approval. What will you do to improve this? Hmm. I'll, I'll look into that issue a little bit more. I'm assuming that's the, the issue of whether our drug plans here end up covering uh, in our formularies so that we're, we're, we're covering it under Alberta Blue Cross. I didn't realize that there was such a huge delay. I know that there was one of, um, uh, of my supporters, Amanda, who did an amazing job of getting and lobbying to get a particular drug for 
uh, cystic fibrosis approved, and and so there it was, and she kept me up to date every step along the way, and so I agree, it, it shouldn't be that cumbersome, it shouldn't be that difficult. So let me just know it's on my radar screen. I don't know if I have the the answer the answer to it today, but it 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 seems like there should be a more streamlined process that once it's approved at the federal level. That because when we do approve new drugs, it's normally going to be more effective or be able to treat a greater number of people. There should be a much more streamlined process. It shouldn't take as as long as uh, two years if that's the case. So um, it's on my radar now. Thank you. Now, while we're on the topic of health, I'm going to take a text from Chad Edmonton, uh, from Clive, and then we're going to go to Medicine Hat. These are all health-related questions. So Barry in Clive says, if you pass the vaccine legislation, does that mean that it applies? to all vaccines, that would be a big can of worms. Uh, and I agree with Barry. It would be a big can of worms. We've been talking about um, how we would we'll go through the process of, um, of consulting with caucus on this. But I think when I look at the the extreme harm that was caused to, to people losing their jobs as a, as a result, the only thing I have seen that happen with is this particular vaccine, this COVID vaccine. So we want to be very narrow. We don't want to open up that whole can of worms. I think that there is a lot of balance in other, in the way other vaccination is treated. So I, I don't I don't think we need to have um, a whole a whole broad sweeping proposal. But we have to address this particular problem because I must tell you, I saw a call for applications for the nutcracker, for instance, and young kids are being told they can't even apply or audition for that without being vaccinated. There's other examples where different groups are still mandating that you can't participate in in, in sports or, or other uh, cultural activities or even have a job right. if if you haven't had this particular vaccine. And that's what we've got to end. We, okay. we don't have that kind of approach on any other type of vaccine, and we, we can't discriminate on this. And so if we need to pass the legislation to make that super clear that we're turning the page and we're going to be treating uh, COVID as endemic just the same way that we treat influenza, then then I think we need to pass that legislation. But it will be very specific. All right. Marie has been holding on for almost forever here. Marie's calling in from Medicine Hat with a question about contact tracing. Go ahead, Marie. You're on with Premier Danielle Smith. Hi, good morning. Uh, Good morning, Ms. Smith. I'm uh, very happy that you got in. Thank and you. Congratulations. Congratulations. Very, very, really looking forward to uh, your future with the party. Um, what, what I'm calling about is uh, people's civil, civil liberties being abused and uh, their individual privacy uh, uh, using the electronic uh, surveillance with the, with the not so much, well, well, with the apps and everything else, right? But uh, it's also with their individual location and constant. Uh, and also with the the infrastructure. So I'm wondering if you're aware of that and what your uh, stand is on that. The I know that there um, there are a lot of concerns about, especially how the big tech companies are um, able to to, to uh, get a lot of personal information. I think that there's privacy settings that you can put onto your various apps to be able to turn it off. If there's anything in particular that you think we need to take a closer look at, I'll I'll make sure that um, I put that on the the radar of our digital transformation minister. That's uh, Nate Glubish right now. He's been looking at at all of these issues involving technology. So. I, I don't know, Wayne, if I should get people to just send an email to 
Danielle at uh, I mean Danielle Danielle Smith was the one that I was getting for my campaign. So that one's still live since I guess I'm still in campaign mode. But if there's anyone who wants to send an email to make sure that I have these issues on my radar and that I put them forward to the appropriate minister, that may be one. Um, if Mary, if Marie wants to to just elaborate elaborate a little bit more about what specific specifically her concerns are, because I I feel like the the tech companies have responded to some of these issues of privacy concerns and allowed for people to control their their uh, their own tracking and, and control their own privacy levels. But if there's still some areas that I need to take a look at, I'm happy to. All right. One more health-related question. This is a text. Um, Premier Smith, I'm curious if you are going to be looking into putting a cap on the dental fees in Alberta. They are astronomical. There's a problem with dental fees. Let's acknowledge that right now. Um, and one of the things that this health spending account is for is to make sure that people have the ability to have at least a little bit of money so that they can pay for the things not covered. And dental is one of the things not covered. The the, the future, I would hope, if I can get my caucus to, uh, to agree, and if Albertans like this approach, is that we would be able to allow people to contribute to their own health spending account tax-free and maybe have employers contribute to their health spending accounts as well so that they have the means means to be able to pay for some of those larger ticket items. And dental is very much on my mind. I, I think that there's a regu- there's some r- regulatory differences in Alberta that make it particularly expensive here. And I'm going to make sure that uh, when, we, when we have a chance to look at this, that we look at British Columbia and Ontario, just to make sure that there's parity in regulations. We want to make it, we want to make sure people have a safe experience, but we shouldn't be putting on a bunch of extra costs that then end up getting passed on to the customers. So I think, I think we have to do a little bit of our own work on this in making sure we're streamlining and not adding additional costs and then having that flow through to the patient. So it's very much on my mind. All right. Elka calling in from Edmonton. Go ahead, uh, Elka. You've got a question regarding family care. I do. Good morning, Premier Daniel Smith. Thank you for hearing my concern today. My pleasure. Um, <clears throat> I heard you speaking about vulnerable populations earlier. Um, especially young uh, school children and noticing a lot of change during after the pandemic. Um, But I wanted to address early childhood education and what I have seen because if we help these children, the school children should need less support. And um, I operated my private center for seven years and had to close during the pandemic. So I've just reopened two weeks ago. And just in the two weeks, half of the families registering have children with special needs and i'm hearing supports are 10 months away um during the pandemic i helped uh, another program to become more inclusive and while doing my research i found out that sadly alberta has had the same issue since the 80s into the 90s and 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 present and here we are today how are we going to make a change because i need to be this voice for a lot of these children my 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 old children from the old program could not find a space when I shut down during the pandemic. It broke my heart to have to help these families and it shouldn't come down to a few operators who are inclusive. We need major help for these children and families. Um, It's sorry, I'm getting a little emotional about it because I see them and I bond with these families and children and it's very, very, very frustrating. And these, I even heard in the rate on the radio over the pandemic that these children are left behind and they're still being left behind so how do we make a change for these families so that they're not waiting for supports and this is happening in not just my private center centers that have um the confidence even to enroll those children 
Yeah, oh, it's such a good question, and it's a big answer. I'll see if I can answer a couple parts of it. Um, so, so Jacob Greger was a, a candidate in the Calgary municipal elections, and I, I did rely on him over the course of the campaign just when I was facing disabilities issues to see if he could give me some advice on how to approach it. And also Sandra, who's a disabilities worker, she was lobbying me every time I saw her about how we've, we, we really haven't adjusted the pay for those who are in this sector and that's a real problem because I think that the range that they're able to pay is in the 17 to $18 range. And quite frankly, with the way that um, a cost of living has escalated, it's, it's no wonder we're having a difficult time attracting enough people to the sector if we're not going to support them properly. So I have to, uh, to uh, talk with um, the, the minister responsible for the area to see what we might be able to do to ensure that, that we have a, an, enough support for the workers there. Because if we can have enough worker support, then it's a matter of higher enough workers to support the kids. But it is also the reason why I have talked so much about education assistance in the classroom. Every, every classroom teacher I speak with tells me that they have a number of children with special needs. And if we could have that extra hand in the classroom to be able to help those with the, the severe needs, but also those with mild and moderate disability needs or behavioral issues, I think that that's going to go a long way to making sure the kids are supported, but also that uh, we're, we're able to, to create a, a bit of, um, a, 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 take a bit of a pressure valve on our teachers. And I suspect in this early childhood area is the same is the same thing. So I think we've got a couple of pieces that we need to fix there. But I, I have a num- I have some great advisors who who have made me aware of the issues, and I think we'll get some some solutions. All right. Now we're going to go to Pablo in Edmonton. He's been holding on for a while. But before we do that, I wanted to hit this text message, uh, Premier Smith. This is Larry calling in from Chad. Now this is something that had I think that successive. Um, leaders in this province have battled for years. And Larry's text says, how can someone actually get solutions and culture issues to you regarding AHS without getting blown off by the bureaucrats and those running interference to get to you? I've tried for over three years to point out physician overbilling of specific codes for millions of dollars and auditors are not interested at all. And the NDP will cry driving doctors out of the province if anybody even checks on them. The culture in AHS is sick and many of us have answers, but no one will listen. It's uh, Premier Smith, it's a a similar commentary to what I've heard over the years, uh, bureaucracy in education, bureaucracy in Alberta Health Services. So uh, your response to Larry. First, I'll tell Larry to direct his concerns to the College of Physicians and Surgeons because that, to me, is a, a professional body and regulatory issue. So sometimes when you we, – we all think, well, let's go to AHS. AHS is a massive organization. We, we know that. But I think with this particular issue, if it's a matter of professional misconduct that he's concerned about, direct it to the College of Physicians and Surgeons and see if that – uh, gets any additional attention because what I what I have learned is that the health minister, this was a change that was made under the NDP, the health minister is the head of the College of Physicians and Surgeons and so it should be able to be elevated to um, to the health minister if he goes, uh, if he ends up going that route and so I'll, I'll leave it play through that process but, um, but, but that might be a, a more fruitful avenue for him. As for Alberta Health Services as a whole, it's, it's no secret um, that I, I believe there needs to be major reform and restructuring there. I campaigned on that and you'll you'll see that once we've got our new cabinet in place and uh, we we've uh, been been able to 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 get through this first couple of week period there'll be significant changes coming to alberta health services is there a danger in acting too quickly premier smith you know the danger to the public 
is not acting quickly enough. I mean, every one of us have heard these stories. When you hear people waiting in an emergency room for 29 hours, people who, who wait so long, their appendix bursts, and then they're in danger of being septic. People who just need to go and get a very simple, I heard one tragic story, just a, 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 a couple who have an autistic son, and he couldn't sleep for five days. And he was, he was getting um, to a point where he was, he was thinking of self-harm. And all he needed was a prescription for, for sleeping pills, and it took nine hours to get to get it i've heard of of uh, patients as well who keep getting their surgeries canceled and then their condition deteriorates i'm hearing from dr Raj sherman in edmonton about people whose conditions are now so deteriorated because i haven't seen a doctor in two and a half years like we have got to solve these problems and so i think the danger is not acting quickly and i must also mention rural ambulance that is a very high priority yes. for me to fix there is there is no justification for ahs using emergency vehicles and that highly trained personnel as essentially auxiliary hospital beds and making them sit there for two, four, six, eight hours and not be able to be back out on the road, I'm highly motivated to fix these problems. And if we don't fix these problems, I think that that's going to do a disservice to Albertans. So I don't think we can act fast enough. All right. Pablo from Edmonton, hang on. We're going to get to you right after this break. I'm Wayne Nelson with Premier Danielle Smith, and we'll be back to wrap things up in our final segment on Your Province, Your Premier. Wayne Nelson back with you on Your Province, Your Premier. And it's now Premier Danielle Smith. This is your opportunity to speak with Premier Smith one-on-one. If you've got a specific question you'd like the Premier to answer, the numbers to phone or text are 403-974-8255 in Calgary, 780-496-0063 in Edmonton, or across the province at 1-800-563-7770. All right, I promised that we'd go right to Pablo from Edmonton as soon as we got back. And Pablo, you are on with Premier Smith. Go ahead. All right, thank you for taking my call. Congratulations on your win, Premier Smith. Thanks, Pablo. If I could make a comment uh, as a conservative myself, is for you to be more like Ron DeSantis from Florida and a lot less like Jason <laughs> Kenney, who kind of tried to cater to both sides and ended up satisfying neither. His own base no longer trusted him because his words were empty at some point. Like one day he said, there'd be no vaccine passports, right? And the next day he imposed one to cater to the left. And like the radical leftists will never change their minds. So please be an unapologetic freedom fighter and you'll have the support of the province like DeSantis has Florida. Be a, be a true conservative and you'll stay premier for a long time. Thank you. Oh, pa- Pablo, thanks for that. Uh, the answer is yes. That's a very simple one. In fact, I've asked if I could uh, re- do a reach out to Governor Ron DeSantis. I would, I would really enjoy talking with him because he was one of the very early uh, leaders in North America to take a very different approach to, um, to focus protection and making sure we were uh, focusing our efforts on protecting the most vulnerable. And I think because he's, he's had some early efforts in that regard, I, I want to be able to talk to him and see what, what we can do to replicate that approach here, especially now that we're two and a half years into COVID, we understand the, the disease a little bit better, um, and, and I think that there's some good learning there. So I appreciate that, Pamela. You bet I will. All right. Text question. Can the Premier share her thoughts on how to address the homeless issue in our cities, uh, and how can the province and cities work together to have a robust program to help these folks integrate back into the workforce? So uh, a, a double uh, question there. 
Yeah, you may you may know those who listen to me on the air will know that I've got a personal connection to this because my my uncle um, had severe mental health issues and he was in the Pinoca Hospital. So when they closed down the hospitals and went to community care, it just didn't work for him. So he ended up dying on the street as a homeless man. And it's always been it hurt my heart that not only were we not able to provide the support for him that he needed for his mental health and addiction issues, but that he had such a tragic end. And I think we're seeing a lot of families go through that in Calgary and Edmonton. So um, I'm just so delighted with the work that uh, Marshall Smith has been doing with Mike Ellis, our um, um, our mental health associate minister, as well as Jason Luan, who's been doing work on uh, homelessness and in uh, community and social supports. But I asked Marshall Smith if he would become my chief of staff. He's a he's a renowned expert throughout North America in dealing with mental health and addiction. He's already been asked um, as a delegation with he and Mike to go to Manitoba. And BC to talk about our approach, which is treatment first. I just want to celebrate a little bit about what they have been able to do, because they by taking a treatment first approach, because mental health and addiction and homelessness are are interrelated. We've been able to reduce year over year the number of opioid deaths by 51%, the number of hospitalizations by 39%, and the number of calls for naloxone and overdose by 39%. So it's working. And so the next piece of this, and you probably saw the announcement is um, um, Premier Jason Kenney in his last week on the job, he announced a, a major, I think $187 million investment to connect that great work with now the homeless population. We're going to be building out treatment communities. Um, I I think there's six of them that, that are going to be built out. It's going to be extraordinary. I'm, I'm just so delighted to be working with this team and knowing that we are we are leading in Canada and others are taking notice. So, um, so it'll take a little bit of time, but but know that, that we're all very, very focused on this issue. All right. Uh, Elizabeth has been holding from Sherwood Park for a while, but before I get to Elizabeth, I wanted to kind of switch gears here. Nick has called in from Calgary on something we haven't talked about in a long time. Go ahead, Nick. You're on with Premier Danielle Smith. Yes, good. Good morning, Ms. Smith. Nice to talk to you. Um, no, I'm just wondering whether if, if there's any potential on revisiting the approval of the Springbank Dam, um, or at the very least, maybe just uh, uh, having a better examination of the Tri-Rivers Joint Reservoir that you had a guest on when you previously hosted the, the, your radio show. Like, that seemed to have quite a bit of potential. Thanks for that, Nick. I, I am. Um, I, I have to say, one of the things that has me a little frustrated is I have seen the projections, and I know that Calgary is going to face a water issue in about when they hit about 1.5 million people, and it seems like a missed opportunity. If we can find a way to have the flood mitigation taken care of, as well as reservoirs, so we have more recreation and some hydropower, as well as be able to feed more water into irrigation, so that we can support our agriculture producers. Those are the kind of things that I'm looking for as a solution so my, my my inclination is to say yes and if there are, uh, are a number of different proposals that we can have for calgary for southern alberta if we need to have some of these other types of approaches in in other communities as well then i'm i'm open to revisiting those I, I, emil gabriel i think is the person you're talking about who has done so much work in this area i know it's a very expensive project so i'd, I'd want to understand a little bit about the implications of, of why it, it never really got on the radar of the decision makers but we've got to start talking about that. As you know, I want to see 
Alberta keep, keep the boom and keep this growth going. And when I look at the projections, if we keep going at this rate, if we can double our population by 2050, we're going to need to have a lot more water to be able to support that level of growth and economic prosperity. So we've got to solve some of these issues. And I, I'm certainly open to revisiting that. Okay, we are running out of time. I There are so many text messages here, it's almost impossible to keep up to them. So we're going to go to Elizabeth. I promised that we would hit Elizabeth in Sherwood Park. Elizabeth, you're on with Premier Danielle Smith. Go ahead. Thank you. Congratulations, Ms. Smith. Thanks, Elizabeth. Um, I'll be very short, but I have been waiting for over a year. I was authorized to have an appointment on October 1st of last year to have orthoscopic surgery on my knee. Since then, I've had so many, tried to have so many treatments. My doctor has been wor- trying to work with me at relieving the pain. Uh, they said I needed an MRI, and as luck would have it, there was a cancellation, but I had to pay for my own oh. MRI last year in October oh. to see what was in there. But this orthoscopic surgery, I cannot get in anywhere, and to date, I am almost, it's almost impossible for me to walk, and the pain is just terrible. I can hardly sleep. I can't do what I usually do, and it's been over a year. Now, in the meantime, I heard that there's patients coming in from out of province, getting them. How do I get in to have day surgery, to have orthopedic surgery? I'll let let you go. Elizabeth, I'm sure you were speaking for so many people who are listening today. The the stories that I hear, I I met uh, somebody at an event who who had to wait, was told he had to wait 43 months in order to be able to get knee replacement surgery. it's, It's just unacceptable. Let me let me put this out there because I'll tell you, give you um, an idea of what I'm hoping we can do as we start restructuring healthcare. Every time I go around the province, I find we have 106 facilities, and many of them are underutilized. We've got operating rooms that either have never been opened or they have been mothballed and are not being put into use. I, uh, I saw a recent proposal from Camrose Hospital for an enhanced surgical initiative. They want to be able to just do surgeries and get paid on the number of surgeries that they provide. And I I mentioned this to one of my MLAs, Mark Smith. He says, you know what, Drayton Valley would like to be able to do that too. So let me just put that out there, that these are the kinds of innovations that I want to see. If there is underutilized capacity in our, our rural hospitals, let's see if we can get some of those proposals in and start using our existing facilities to, to full capacity. That will ensure that we can attract rural doctors, It'll make sure that people can get the surgery close to home, and it will help us clear those surgical backlogs. So we may not have had an efficient process in the past to make sure that those get elevated, but that's going to be one of the things that we change in our health in our healthcare reform is that it's it's not that difficult for us to be able to use a number of the facilities that are within driving distance of our major centers, and that's what we've got to start doing. We, we used to be able to do a lot more in our rural facilities, and we've got to get back to that. All right. Premier Smith, we've, uh, we've run out of time. Thanks for joining us today. Well, I look forward to doing it again. Thanks so much, Wayne. Thank you. Uh, we will do this again next month after the results are announced for the November 8th by-election in Brooks Medicine Hat, where Premier Smith is in the running against the Alberta Party's Barry Morishita and Gwendolyn Dirk from the NDP. I'm Wayne Nelson. You've been listening to Your Province, Your Premier.